1: I, I got to add it up. Probably somewhere between like four and a half, five, five and a half, somewhere on there. Five and a half
0: million. Yeah. Million total. Total. Last year. Amazing. Yeah. Um, wow. Graham, I want to say something. Cool. That what's happening right now on this side of the table mm-hmm. is something Colin and I have been working together for 10 years. We've bought coffee every single day until we went on your show. Amazing. Now we're making coffee. So thank you. How
1: is it? You're welcome.
0: It's good. Now we have all this money to invest in Bitcoin.
1: What are you gonna do with all? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Bitcoin's gonna go to 500 k So you're gonna be multi-millionaires. Just Literally, we're just putting it into meme stocks. Yeah. There we go.
2: <laughs> well, congratulations. So I don't know if that's yeah. a better move than buying coffee, but you I, can think tell it, us. I think it can be. Yeah. It certainly can be. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. We'll find out. It's yeah. new, it's cool. new, but we're enjoying it. Well, enjoy.
1: It. I brought mine from home. I put it in the Starbucks Cup is like just a funny little thing. I got Amazing. this as a gift. Uh, like as kind of like a gag gift, but uh, I love it. Amazing.
0: So. Well, w- first of all, it was amazing how we ended up running into each other, but it turned mm-hmm. out that we were like neighbors. We yeah. just ran into each other here um, on the street, yep. which was awesome. Uh, but we we've like we were big fans of your channel. And then you actually commented on our channel. Yeah. And we were like sharing it in our our Slack. We were like, whoa, this is crazy. Graham Stephen he commented on our channel uh, and ran into you like very short after that. Yeah. Um, but you are someone who has cracked the code of YouTube in a way that I think is um, very unique to our experience of being on YouTube in, in 10 years and also something that's, that's pretty inspirational and aspirational for a lot of people who are watching. Mm. Um, now, that is from the YouTube creator side, but yeah. also the financial literacy and, and financial freedom side. So you kind of you kind of hit our generation, you know, and, and younger people than us in both ways of like aspiring creators and, and wanting this job of being a YouTuber, but then also wanting this financial freedom and, and to better understand their own finances. So
1: thank you. Geez, thank you so Wanted much. To yeah, that that's give
0: introduction. A if you guys don't good know Graham's channel, uh, check out Graham's channel. Um, and uh, welcome to the show, Graham.
1: Thank you so much. I've been watching your channel for uh, probably like a year and a half. so I feel like I've been watching you since like pre-20K, pre-30K. like Oh, wow. So yeah, your your filming is incredible. I think the editing is insane. Like I look at your videos and I'm intimidated. Like how can I make mine better? Right. So. Thank you. Yeah. yeah
2: well, I think we look at your videos and think, yeah. Man, how can we do that? Yeah. How can we just make it <laughs> yeah. catchier? How can yeah. we clickbait? And how can we, yeah. make, well, how can we make that type of AdSense money? One, yeah. thing we can yeah.
0: do. one thing we're really bad at is telling people to like the video, but you're really good at that. So yeah. Maybe you could tell
1: some people Here's how you right do it. Yeah. You look at everyone right in the camera. Okay? You want a quick pause and you want to say, guys, make sure to destroy the like button for the YouTube algorithm. Otherwise, YouTube's not going to push this video. And if you want it pushed, you just got to go down, smash like button. It takes like a fraction of a second. It's totally free. And uh, you got to throw up a cool picture of a cat right here because that's, you got to give them a reward. So if you throw a cool, like just a cute picture of a cat right here, everyone's going to smash the like button.
0: It feels like the scene in Wolf of Wall Street where they're all watching Leonardo DiCaprio sell the penny stock and they're like, how did he do that? That's what you
1: just said. Well, you got to give them a reward. So if I ask for something, I'm going to give you something back. I did like a a cute iguana, uh, puppies, kittens. So stuff like that always does really well. But yeah, yeah. I, I
0: do think uh, you, you've you've uh, you've nailed that in a way that's like not overly uh, salesy. And it like I, one one thing I really like when I watch your videos is like you actually give me a really good reason to <laughs> want to comment and and like yeah. yeah. So I think you do a great job with that.
1: My favorite to take forever is I'll make fake news articles. About like how 90% of the audience doesn't smash the like button. Right. And I'll create a whole thing on CNBC <laughs> and I'll edit my face and awesome. just like crying. Yeah. And then the headline yeah. is like 90% don't smash the like button. Please do your part. Like something like that. Or I've made like fake little commercials.
0: And, and clearly a lot of that stuff is is uh, has worked for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that's amazing is when I watched your video you put out in October uh, about how much money YouTube paid you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some amazing like jaw dropping numbers in there for mm-hmm. me. Um, you know, obviously the big one being $1.8 million, uh, more than that. Uh, yep. If you get into the actual number, which is mm-hmm. probably on the screen. Um, but then you go down to like six to $10,000 a day through AdSense revenue, um, all the way down to your first year on the platform, $26,000. Yep, That's pretty incredible because again, like, Colin and I just we just put out a video on our on our channel about how much YouTube paid us in 2020, and it's not twenty six thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars. It's uh, I'll let you, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away, uh, so you could guess at some point. But okay. uh, um, I kind of just gave it away that it's not twenty six thousand dollars. But you you've seemed to figure out YouTube in a way that um, is is really dynamic from a financial perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, to go even further back you at a pretty young age were also working a pretty high profile job in real estate you're making yeah. about half a million dollars a year on mm-hmm. on commission yeah so take us through that how do you how do you even get that job and then why,
1: why would you, you leave
0: that why job? do you leave that
1: job yeah good question so i've been working as a real estate agent since 2008 Got in because I didn't get into college. I really didn't have any backup plan. I, 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 during high school, I thought like, I wanted to be a drummer, I'd be in a famous band. But then I realized like, you, you go to the Roxy and you see these like amazing musicians on Sunset Boulevard and they're like living out of their van. And there's so many just talented musicians out there. It's really hard to monetize. So I knew that like, I wanted to be in a business of some sort and just music was probably not it happen to get my real estate license uh every Sunday I'd go to open houses and just meet with different agents just to get their opinion of like what I should do as like a brand new agent after months of doing that I met someone who really just took me under their wing uh who basically said to me like we could, we'll split everything 50 50 that you bring in but I will teach you like if you need help with a client or something I'll help you with it but we just We got to split everything 50-50. So I would go and sit his open houses. I would just do like the grunt work. I would follow up with his clients that he just... You you have a big list of people you haven't talked to in years. He's like, here's a list. Just go and like start calling these people. So I did a lot of that. Worked leases. And uh, as far as how I got into the Oppenheim Group, uh, 2010, I think it was, Jason Oppenheim joined Coldwell Banker. And his office was right next to mine. And... He just asked me questions a lot. Uh, He would ask me questions about like doing leases or for paperwork. He was a brand new agent, and Mm. at the time, I had like two years of experience on Jason. So I think I was just more approachable. Like I don't think he'd feel comfortable going to like the manager, and especially if I'm right there. He's like, Graham, what what form do I use for this? Or I'm doing this move-in lease application. What what do I do on this?" And I just we we talk and we became friends through that. Then he left. Uh, to start his own brokerage, I think 2013. We lost touch a little bit, but then in 2014, I think, just randomly did a deal with him. And he was opening up his new office on Sunset Boulevard. And I met him at the office to pick up the check. And at that point, he offered me a position to go and work for him instead of Coldwell Banker. And the offer he gave me was way better than what I was getting at Coldwell Banker. And I think I was just starting to outgrow Coldwell Banker to begin with. I wanted to try something new. And I felt like that was a good opportunity. And once I joined with him, I mean, everything, just, I think just being around a new environment that was younger really helped me out a lot. Because Coldwell Banker, like, everyone I was working with was over, like, 50. The entire office was, like, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70 years old. With Jason, everyone was, like, mid-30s for the most part. So I just, I felt like I fit in a lot better. Uh, but that that just really started taking off, I'd say, 2015, 16, 17, 18 my business just did so well. I think a lot of people were spending way more money on, on real estate then. And yeah, my best year was about $500,000. I think that was 2017 or 18. And that was around the time, too, I started making YouTube videos. And originally, I had so many people tell me, like, dude, you should just do YouTube full-time. Just do YouTube full-time. And it's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I remember even posting on Reddit back then, like, talking about me doing YouTube and me saying like, I know it's it's never gonna make as much as I make on as a real estate agent, but I'm just having so much fun with it. And that was like my creative outlet. Like I would do real estate until like six, 7 p.m., get home and make YouTube videos until like two o'clock in the morning. I loved it. Like all day, I would just think YouTube. Like how can I make YouTube videos? Even like showing around clients. Sometimes like, hmm, what video can I make here? Or like what topic can I talk about? During open houses, if you go to my earlier videos, you'll see that during slow open houses, I was making YouTube videos on like how to hold an open house, oh, wow. at an open house that just, you have downtime. Sometimes it's like, it'll be an hour and no one walks into your house. So I'm like, I may as well get a video done. Were you watching YouTube at this time? Like, oh, who, or yeah.
0: who, who were you watching? What was the inspiration for you?
1: I watched everybody. I've been watching YouTube since like 2010, maybe even to like 2009, 2010, as like full-time, instead of TV, I would go and watch YouTube. And so I would see just all these channels start like blowing up. And back then, it was a lot of the prank channels. Like you'd have like Vitaly or Roman Atwood. uh, 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 and all these these other creators that were just blown up in the prank space. And I didn't want to make pranks, but I just thought like YouTube is so cool. Like I would
2: love to make YouTube videos one day. Was there an element of like I could get my rock star fix on YouTube. Because I think it's interesting. Like mm-hmm. for you, you say you like, grew up, you wanted to be a musician on the Sunset Strip, like yeah. playing shows. Then you go into the Oppenheim group, which ended up having a huge show. Like, that was that
1: was by chance. Yeah. But and that was many years later. Um, I would say probably not. I yeah. just had so much fun. For me, it was very much like I think it's very analytical. Like I like, I like the numbers aspect and I like the challenge. And I feel like with YouTube or really with, with anything business in general. It's like playing a game of chess and like you can make a move and like the algorithm will shift this way. And you're like, how could I adapt to that? Or like, what are people clicking on? Let me do more of that. And if it doesn't work, I'll shift it up a little bit. I'd like to test titles and thumbnails. And I, I love every aspect of that. Same, I used to be the same way I used to post leases on Craigslist. And this is how I got most of my business. I treated Craigslist the same way I treat like the YouTube algorithm. I would come up with different titles, different main pictures, different layouts of like putting my phone number at the top, putting like Graham Stefan called banker versus just like call Graham. Mm-hmm. I found that just call Graham number got a better response than call Graham Stefan or call Graham Stefan called banker. Just call Graham. It, I guess it was more approachable. Uh, and I experimented with with titles so much, like I found like back. Years ago on Craigslist, you could do, like, HTML. So I was doing, like, HTML on Craigslist. And I found for the title, too, you get these cool little brackets on either end, like these these dark brackets on either end. that just stood out. So when you'd be scrolling, you would automatically see my post as the one with the two big, bold brackets on either end. And I also got... They used to allow all this cool stuff. I got, like, a, a link tracker where I could track which titles got the most clicks, which price ranges got the most clicks, and then... After like a week or two, I would analyze that data and be like, okay, the leases between the $5,000 and $10,000 price point per month. Got the most clicks. I'm going to get rid of all of the other ones and just get more leases like that. And I go to my office. I try to find someone else where I could post their leases on Craigslist that fit that criteria. And that's what really just blew up my business. But a lot of it is just very anal- analytical and just trying to figure out like what works.
0: So when you first started making YouTube videos, mm-hmm. How did you catch a level of momentum like was it fun from the first upload? Yeah, it was so first upload yeah it's hooked a couple hundred people watch and or yeah was at it, first like,
1: what, no what was that like no uh posted my first video, no one watched, but then what I did is I tried to figure out well how can I get people to watch the video so I'd go to other people's videos and just spam not spam the comments oh, but comment. I yeah, I would comment that and that I and I would just be there on my phone like just during all my downtime, just commenting on other channels, like, hey, this is a great YouTube video. I made something similar. If anyone is curious, so I got started, come check out my channel. And this is before, like, a lot of other people were doing it. So it was, like, people were like, ooh, wow, he makes a video about this, let me click it. And so I got a few hundred views on that initially. Uh, but, like, every view for me, like, I'd check the real-time 60 minutes all the time, and would be like, wow, one person is watching me this hour. Like, this is crazy. Like, one per- stranger is watching me. And I remember, a check, I had all my notifications turned on uh, for email. So if I got a comment, like it would send to my email. I got a subscriber, it would send to my email. I got so excited when you got that email. It's like, you got a new subscriber. I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. I wanted to reach out and thank everybody. I'm like, thank you so much for subscribing. But yeah, I, I had so much fun with it from the very beginning.
0: You do kind of get jaded over time, which is so interesting. Because mm-hmm. I, uh, a couple of years ago, I was at a concert here at the, uh, at the Forum in LA. And it was packed. And I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. There's so many people here. It must be crazy to perform for this many people. And then I looked up, what's the capacity? It was like 19,000. And I was like, wait yeah. a second. I've performed for this many people. Mm-hmm. You just don't experience it. Obviously, they're not in the same room, but you do get jaded at some point of like these numbers on a screen. Because yes. even if you're in a room, if you're standing in a room of a thousand people, it'd be insane. You'd be like, yeah. whoa, this is a lot of people. I would freeze ta- up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of people that I'm talking to. So at what point did the videos go from, okay, this is cool, one person's watching me, um, to, whoa, okay, this is really like catching momentum. Was there a certain type of video or was it just gradual over time?
1: It was pretty gradual. Um, I would say the first almost two years, there was never really any sort of like viral hit. I've had videos do well, and by well, I mean like a few hundred thousand views, Uh, but I didn't have that many of them. I think there were like, four or five videos on my channel that would consistently bring in the views. And that was, one was like how I got into real estate, uh, passive income, how to turn $1 into $10. And uh, gosh, I'm sure there's another one. Um, oh, how to house hack and live for free. And those videos really, I, th- I think, pulled
2: the weight of the channel for the for the first probably year or so. And when did monetizing those videos come onto your radar? I know for us, we really didn't monetize our main channel until... Two and a half years in, mm-hmm. like, at what point for you was that interesting and intriguing? In the beginning, I didn't monetize at all because when I first started, the big guys in the
1: business were like Grant Cardone, Ty Lopez, and Gary V. Right, and they were running ads on their channel. And Ty Lopez was selling nonstop, and so was Grant Cardone.
0: Ty Lopez was running Ty Lopez ads, on right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think even Alex Becker in the beginning. But I really, I, I loved Alex. I love Alex Becker, so I looked up to him. Uh, so I don't want to put him in the same category as the other guys, but because uh, uh, I really respect Alex. But I looked at uh, like Ty Lopez and Grant, and I'm like, they're they're constantly selling something. I wanted to be the guy who's just like just giving free advice, and if someone wants to watch, great. If not, that's fine too. But after maybe two months of doing that, I read something like, hey, maybe YouTube is more likely to push the videos if they're monetized, because then YouTube has a stake in these videos doing well, and if YouTube is making money. I'm making money. Maybe they're more likely to push the videos. So like from that standpoint, I'm like, okay, let me turn on AdSense. And I think the first few days I made like a few cents. Uh, I remember the first day I hit a dollar. That was a big day because I'm like, wow, like every month I could go and get all you can eat sushi for 30 bucks for free. And then I remember hitting uh, like 75 bucks in a month. I'm like, wow, my my cell phone bill is like totally free just for having fun, making YouTube videos. And then I had one day, I think, where one of my videos took off. I made a hundred and $72, I think it was, or $168. And that was the first day I'm like, this is serious. Like, this could really add up to a significant amount of money, especially if it's just like I'm making videos on the side, extra $160 in a day. that That's huge. And that's the point really where I'm like, okay, I, I should take this more seriously. And I think I'm onto something. And I just, you just have like this gut level feeling that's like, this is it. I, I just, I knew from the very beginning, it's like, I got to pursue this. This is a big opportunity.
0: What did the the other agents or like people at the Oppenheim group think about you doing YouTube and then did any of your clients or people that you like you showed, were they like, Hey, are you the guy from YouTube? Did Uh, that
1: ever come up? No, it didn't. Uh, it was weird in the beginning because I don't think people knew what to expect with, with YouTube. And I think there's a stigma of just like YouTube. What's what's on YouTube? Like you make money doing that. What? So the push I got was that, I should let that be a side thing. I should focus on real estate. The real estate career was was doing the best it's ever done. I was like eight years into it, I think, at the time. Maybe like almost, oh no, I was almost 10 years into this career as a real estate agent. And that's really the point where you like solidify yourself. Like as an agent, like you've worked 10 years to build up this client base. And like every year is doing consistently better than the last. So the push that I definitely got was like, stick with real estate. Like why would you, leave this career in real estate to make YouTube videos. But I just had a feeling. I'm like, no, this is it. Like, I I just, I knew deep down that, like, I got to pursue this. And that every day that pulled me further and further away from real estate, because I had so much fun. I felt like good at it. I felt like I had a purpose and a passion and that I was making a positive impact. And not that you can't do that as a real estate agent, but like, it's so isolated between like you and your client. Versus this, you could have such a big impact on you know thousands or tens of thousands or millions of people that otherwise wouldn't have been possible if it's me and a
2: client in real estate. So where was your channel at when you made that more aggressive sort of departure from real estate? Almost a million subscribers. Okay. Yeah.
1: It it got it, when I consistently started making more money on YouTube than working as a real estate agent. That's the point where I knew like. I really need to focus on this more. And there was never like a big, like one day I'm doing real estate, one day I'm doing YouTube. It was so gradual. And that was like, that was over a period of probably two and a half, three years where it's like every day I probably spent like just an extra five minutes on YouTube, extra five minutes on YouTube. And it was very gradual. It was never just one day, nothing. But, um, but there was one moment that really kind of kicked it off for me. And, uh, It was during a time I was really busy trying to get out a video on like a current subject. And a client called me wanting to see this apartment building for sale. And it was like a $4 million apartment building. So like it was a big commission. So I scheduled the showing in the middle of the afternoon in like LA traffic. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to get there. It's going to take me 35 minutes to get there. 35 minutes for a showing. 40 minutes to drive back. So it was like two and a half hours of my day gone during a time when I really had to get this video out. And I show up early, and the guy's like an hour late to this showing. And sh- and uh, shows up an hour late, is on his phone the entire time. Doesn't even talk to me, just on his phone, just kind of doing his thing. And I'm waiting there, I'm being like, I got to get this video out. And he basically takes a look around and says, "Not nah, you know, it's not for me. And, uh, you know, can we can we go and see this other place like down the street? And I I don't want to say I I kind of lost it at that point, but I'm like, I, I can't show you any more place. Like if you're going to be an hour late and not apologize or not, and, and there was no good reason. It was just like just running behind. Didn't even call me to let me know he's running late. So I dropped him as a client, but that was a sign for me that like, if I'm this anxious about not posting, video, like that should really be where my priority is.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. Um, that is a very LA story. That's like <laughs> yeah. you know, in LA ever, like you're always running behind, especially if there's traffic. Uh, quick, Aside, Mm -hmm. you're leaving LA.
1: I I left. left. You left. Yeah. You're gone. Left and back to do
2: this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we we talk about
1: this a
0: lot. Yeah. Yeah. We we, we were talking about this this morning. Like, everyone, I mean, I'm born and raised uh, here. You are as well.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm not, though. And I'm like, maybe, you know, why do we have to be here? (laughs) Do it. I'm telling you, Las Vegas is amazing. So as of when was it? Monday. Yeah. So just just a few days ago, as of Monday, I officially became a uh, brand new resident of Nevada.
0: If you follow Graham on Instagram, you got the breaking news there. (laughs) Yep. That's amazing! Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations! Yeah, you're Thank out you. of here. That was it was it, amazing. It's it does such a good seem feeling, that yeah. like once you get into this echelon of of earning, it's like uh, th- I mean I I just heard Logan Paul talk about it on Impulsive. He was yep. like I'm, I I want to get out. Um, all <laughs> like it does seem like <laughs> at some point you're like, this doesn't make any sense. And I think the pandemic probably exposed a lot of it. Yeah, um,
1: it's so nice, and maybe I haven't experienced it enough compared with uh, like West LA, but I now prefer I think Las Vegas. Wow, it's just, it's nicer. It's 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 weird to say that because it's like you know Santa Monica is like so nice. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You live at, the beach is but, right there. Right, like it's a pretty but, tough. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. There's something about it that I just love. I really like it. There's no traffic, parking is free, huge parking lots everywhere. Anything you want is within like a ten minute drive. The land you get, the house you get, like everything is the cheaper. The house that you got. Yeah
0: is another jaw drop. Like there's Gosh, a lot of videos yeah. I watch of yours where yeah. I just like text Colin and I'm like, did you, like this is insane. Did you yeah. watch this? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? The what wrong?
2: are we doing yeah. text happens a lot. <laughs> all the between, time. That's oh no, yeah. yeah. okay. And you <laughs> don't wanna like envy and look <laughs> at other people too much and compare yourself, right. but.
1: But I, I guess it's. But
0: we, we do. Yeah, but yeah, we do. Yeah. So. It's primarily we you. All do I it.
2: think we all do. We all do it. It. Yeah. I do yeah.
0: this,
1: yeah. I, I do the same thing. I look at other people, I'm like, what am I doing? I kid you not. I think there's always that like, you're always gonna look up at somebody.
0: So did that, and and that, on that note, did that ever happen in YouTube? Was there ever a moment of doubt? Like, as you were progressing, as you started uploading, as you got to this point of a million subscribers, were you ever like, what am I doing with this YouTube stuff? No. No. You were always just like, this is the right path. Yeah. Were there people encouraging you along the way, or you were just like "You're Very
1: few. Only the people on YouTube were really encouraging me. It was difficult to get anyone to encourage me who was not on YouTube. YouTube people got it. YouTube people have been encouraging me since like 50,000 subscribers. I have a a buddy, uh, his his name is Spot, E-F-F-Spot on uh, YouTube. He's been telling me to do YouTube full time since like 20,000 subscribers. Uh, And it took me till really a million to do it. But everyone on YouTube has been encouraging. Everyone not on YouTube has just been like, could go away. And I still have that mindset that like, any day could go away. So like mentally I've prepared for that for years. It just seems like every year so far has done better. But Yeah. And one thing that's know.
0: interesting to me is that at a pretty early stage, um, you were able to open up other revenue streams as well based on your audience. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I think we, like Colin and I, we've recently gotten into as like we we sold an online course last year. We started getting into like different forms of, of uh, monetization of our audience. But you actually started a course like pretty... Like within a year or two, right?
1: Of, of I waited until I hit a hundred thousand subscribers to sell anything. Got so it. prior to a hundred thousand was just due to bad revenue. There's nothing else. Um, actually, maybe Amazon affiliates, but I Got think it. maybe that did like a few hundred a month. The it's most still pretty good. Yeah, like yeah, Amazon affiliate helps, like, is like yeah.
0: we we were just looking at. There's a great thread on Twitter of uh, Ali Abdal's revenue streams. Have you seen that one? I did. Super. It's a long video. It's like an hour long video. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I read the thread. Yeah. Um, But it's pretty amazing to see like really how diversified creators are now Mm -hmm. and really how much of like a, um, you know, compounding effect it can have when you're doing stuff like affiliate links Mm -hmm. and when you're, when you're um, doing stuff like courses where you sink all this time into it. But then it's just like, even for us, like our courses is selling, you know, and like, if you're watching right now, you want to buy it, you could buy it and then boom, you know? Yeah. And we're not actively advertising or doing, you know, anything like that. So was
2: a course the first thing you sold? Yes. I made,
1: and I learned so much from that thing. Uh, I made a course on how to grow your career as a real estate agent. And I spent probably six months, seven months, eight months, just like putting this outline together. It was horrible to create this course because I wanted it to be so good. Yeah that I sunk everything I had into it. Like I scripted out almost the entire thing. It's like nine hours of content. I scripted out almost the entire thing. I passed it by dozens of real estate agents prior to make sure I covered everything. And I, it was just a big learning experience, but I was like, okay, so if I price this at like 497, if I sell X amount of these, it's gonna be like all this money. And I mentioned it in one of my videos, like, hey guys, if you wanna be the first to get it and you'll get a discount, just sign up through. I put like a MailChimp link, and I think I got like a thousand people signing up for this. I'm like, wow, a thousand people. Well, if I sell 50 of them and that's it, right. uh, 500 bucks, that's a lot of money. Well, I sent out this email, and guess how many I sold?
2: The first launch.
1: What do you think? That would be crazy. 100? First 24 hours.
2: First 24 hours? Yeah,
1: first 24 hours.
2: Okay, I'm going to go down. From that email, 10?
1: One sold one. And I was like, I screwed up. What did I do? I spent like eight months total working on this thing, getting everyone hyped up. I sold one. 700 re- was really ambitious.
0: <laughs> yeah, say. that's yeah, a, that lot. Yeah. a lot. Okay. That's that would have been, been, been crazy. Okay.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> a really great conversion rate <laughs> yeah, on a thousand like, people.
1: I, I was so bad because I had uh, like taken this night off to celebrate and I was going to like send out that mail <laughs> email and then sit back and yeah. just watch the sales roll in and- Nothing happened for a while, and I thought, like, is the link broken? <laughs> and I checked, in like, no, it's working. One, it's just terrible marketing. So then I went back to the drawing board. I'm like, how can I redo this? How can I market it better? And ultimately, I think just the program was too niche. Like, how many people are really looking to be a real estate agent, looking to grow their career? It's just too small of an audience. So then I went back, and I'm like, what's what's it, what's something else I could talk about? And that for me was YouTube. The YouTube uh, Creator Academy did so well. Um, but that's just a broader audience. And I think a lot of people watch me are just interested in making YouTube videos. And it's
0: more, um, like nuanced knowledge. Yes. Probably. Like it's like, and you want to get that knowledge from your favorite creator, which is interesting. Um, because then it actually, you understand that, yeah, those courses are coming out a ton right now, but if you make your own and you have a dedicated audience, they'll actually want it from you. Yeah. Cause that's, what's interesting. I
2: mean, I think what's interesting is you considered real estate to be too niche. You said, Mm -hmm. I would consider real estate at that time to be much more popular than growing on YouTube. Like, I would consider YouTube to be far more niche. No, because my, my I don't call it a course, because course says that, like, sleazy kind of
1: thing, sure. my program was about how to be a real estate agent. Not that many people want to be a real estate agent. I think real estate investing would have been the right choice to do, but I got so burnt out after creating that YouTube course program uh, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that I'm just like I physically and mentally can't put myself through that again. It was so stressful. It was it was it was one month where I didn't leave the house at all, and I worked maybe 18 hours a day for that entire month, putting out three YouTube videos a week on the main channel without missing a single upload and getting out entire program in one month. Are you so, editing all of this? Yeah.
0: So what's interesting is uh, there we we did a, like a tweet where we ask people
3: questions oh, to cool. ask you. Yeah.
0: One of the most popular question was like, what does your team look like? And Colin and I have seen oh, yeah, what yeah. your team looks like. But I think that'd be an interesting, you put out a video almost every day, right? On yes. YouTube? Uh, Across three different channels.
1: Right. So that was entirely me for the most part until I think it was April 2020 where Jack came on. But prior to then, I would say Pretty much all of it was just me. The three videos on the main channel have still just been me. So I edit those videos, um, I script, script them, film them. So I keep the main channel to myself. Jack do you and
0: self-timer I self timer your your thumbnail photos.
1: Uh no. So what I do is like I'll just record oh, okay. and I'll make like
0: <laughs> you'll do the thumbnail faces. There they are. I do that
1: and then I just wow. screenshot it and then I'll go on Photoshop. And uh, recently, Jack and I have been like getting really into like titles and thumbnails. So yeah. We'll go back and forth on this. Some of these titles and thumbnails he'll come up with because we we just get like a different uh, uh, perspective sometimes. Like sometimes I'm so focused in the video that you mm. can't think too abstract, but he's coming in just not having worked 10 hours on creating this video. So it's really easy for him to sometimes think, what about a thumbnail like this? And then we'll go back and forth. And usually after like an hour of discussion, we'll be like, that's it. That's and a perfect. How much
0: point. of that, you know, like now as we get a little mm-hmm. bit deeper into YouTube, um, and, like, thinking about YouTube as a, you know, analytics and, and algorithm, um, click-through rate is super important. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're talking about Craigslist, uh, you know, earlier in the conversation, you're also talking about click-through rate, essentially, right? And conversion. Yes. So do, do you track, when you look at titles and thumbnails, are you tracking click-through rate? What type of metrics Everything, you
1: everything So let me answer the other question sure. as far as my team. It's entirely me, I would say, on the main channel. Jack edits all the videos in the second channel, and Jack is the one who coordinates the podcast. So main channel, I would say it's just me. Jack and I coordinate on titles and thumbnails. I do the title thumbnail, but it's just a, a big brainstorm. I do all the thumbnails on... I do all the thumbnails. Um, but then Jack is editing second channel podcast. But other than that, just just me. I mean, up even
2: up two the, people sounds yeah. very low to me. People are constantly surprised have, yeah.
1: how much content yeah. you put out. And I was doing... What Jack and I are doing now, like I did that for the first three years, it was just me while working full time as a real estate agent. But well, I guess I just didn't really, I didn't do much other than I just had so much fun like doing what I was doing and like making YouTube videos that it was normal for me to start like you start at seven, you finish at two, or you start at eight, you finish at two. But I loved it, like it's just fun. Like I just be in bed like one a.m. just like editing a video or try, trying to plan something out. I just have fun with it. Do you so.
0: anticipate getting a editor to help you on the main channel or do you think that no. that is something that needs to be you?
1: I think it needs to be me. I won't say I won't ever get an editor on the main channel, but I feel like that's what makes it like homey, if that makes sense. It's just, it, I think it's, I'm making videos about like how to make money and stuff like that. I just, sometimes it has that weird sort of like salesy vibe to it. I don't ever want to get it to be, I, I, I think just, I want to still be that same guy who's just like in the garage making videos about money and stocks and real estate and just editing them myself. And nothing really fundamentally has changed about the process. It's just now I have more people watching, but I've tried to keep the videos as consistent as possible.
2: Do you feel like you have a time limit on how long though you'll keep editing? Or is that something where you think maybe 20 years out, I'll still be editing and that's fine? Maybe. I don't know. The second channel started making sense
1: because the... What happened with the second channel was I was putting so much more time into the main channel that the second channel began suffering because I'd be like, I got to get this video out by 9 a.m. It's 6 right now. I just got to slap this thing together. And that's when I think this video started suffering because I was not putting in the time that I should have on those those reaction videos. And I was just, just basically just zoning out, slapping it together, throwing it up. But when Jack stepped in and he was really able to spend like six hours editing this video and like really dedicate time to it, it made a huge difference. So if if it ever gets to the point where the main channel starts suffering because I just got to slap something together, then at that point I would. But a lot of my videos too, it's like I need to get them out as soon as possible and especially if they're relevant. So like it makes it sense that like I'm there as soon as I film, upload it and like editing minutes later.
0: How do you, and and how do you come up with the ideas? I think that like take us through that process. Is that, (laughs) because like one thing I think that's interesting is idea generation because of how much has to do with title and thumbnail, uh, because of how much has to do with like what people are going to click on, like coming up with the idea, once you have the editing process down is actually the harder part. I uh, agree. Right. Like the the scripting and the idea generation is what we spend tons of time on Mm -hmm. because the editing, like. It's hard and it's time consuming. Yeah, but it, it's a lot easier if you have the right idea.
1: Yeah, I would say the hardest part for me is picking a a topic. Yeah. and a title. And I first start out with the topic and title. Like if if I can't get a good title for a video, I don't make the video. So I first will think of what title can I can I use for this. And once I get a topic, I know I could script it. It's just as long as I have that concentration and focus. As long as I just everything i do not disturb i'm going to be like either out in the backyard or just in a room with the headphones on just focus i, I could get anything done if i have the right topic but yeah coming up with the topic is so difficult i spend hours a day just like thinking of topics and a lot of that's going through like every news outlet imaginable going through every subreddit i possibly can watching so many youtube videos and i'll see like oh these videos are getting pushed by youtube or you know this is this is trending right now on cnbc or cnn or reddit and if i see these topics or something that i could talk about or that i find interesting i'll think how could i title this video once i come up with a title and a topic then it's then it's really getting in the zone and just planning and that's just like usually i'll have to be, i i need complete silence and concentration it's one like any distraction like even if the cat comes in like starts like scratching at the thing in front it's just like throws me off mm. and i have to be in this state of just like nothing else like like Everything else tunes out. It's just like this tunnel vision of just planning. And it's one of those, it's it's fun for me because it's, sometimes you, I don't want to say you go into like this trance because that sounds weird, sure. but I would imagine it's similar to like meditation where you just get in the zone and then you come out of it like seven hours later, you're like, where did all the time go? And you have this amazing piece
2: of uh, of content that then you could go and film. When you're so. planning and scripting, do you have any systems in place to sort of format that and template it? Like, do you have a script template where no. you're like, I need to hit these things every time?
1: No, but I, I have just a general, I guess, format that I've just always kept. And maybe it's been just developed over time. But like, <clears throat> the first is always uh, like what what the video is about, why people should listen, and what's the significance of it? Because I I and I'll never make that more than 60 seconds. Like if you can't hook people in 60 seconds, they're done. So I try to do the hook in 60 seconds, why it's relevant, what's going on, why is this even worth watching. Then after that, I always go into the background of just like, here's what's led up to that. So if I talk about the stock market just hit its all time high, people are worried about this being a big bubble. Is it, is it too late to invest? Uh, smash the like button. And then before that I'll be like okay so here's how we got here the stock market did this and this and this and then here's where we are now. And then I go into the relevance of today. So here's what's happening right now. This is what so and so said, this is what so and so said. And then I go into the research behind it. I spend so long researching these topics and finding like like data. So I'm not just like well, I think it's going to do this and I think that I, I really do my best to like research these thoroughly. So because I never want people to get upset with my videos and my my thing like years ago is like you could never say that like Graham is is wrong necessarily in a video or you can't dislike what I say because what I'm talking about is just like they're, they're facts. It's like this is data. So you, like either you're disagreeing with the history and the data or like you're wrong. So like I've always gone into it just being really analytical and just like here's the data, here's the history. If history is an indication, here's what we think it should do. Maybe it won't, but I really try to be as balanced as possible and leave it up to the numbers. And then I'll always just end it off with, how is this relevant for you? And what can you do with this information? So I'll end it off with, well, based on all this, the safest thing you could do, it's, it's always buy and hold. Um, invest in index funds. But, but there's some with more significance of just mm-hmm. like, if this happens, then we could see this. And uh, the big one for me was uh, like, the, the stock market is about to flip. I think that was a, uh, a, yeah, a that was, that. yeah, that was one of the, you hooked fe- me with the title. yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the thumbnail. I, I stood, yeah, yeah. stood on uh, did a handstand to yeah. do that thumbnail, but uh, there's
0: another thumbnail you just had where like yeah. your head is getting smashed by a bunch of a stack of cash. That
1: was Jack and I who did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one like yeah.
0: stuck. It's just like you guys are actually you guys are really good at thumbnails. Yeah, thanks. I think it's a it's a big um, it's an X factor when it comes to a creator because yeah. you know you're able to back up the the thumbnails with good videos mm. and videos that are fun, entertaining, educational, and also I think what's different about your type of content is it's transformational. <clears throat> like if I actually make some money based mm-hmm. on walking, watching a gram video, like you've now I'm in forever. Yeah. Right? Cause now I've transformed and you've, right. you've changed my life. And so like that is the opportunity to do that is really interesting, but you can't even do any of that if you can't get people in the door and right. getting people in the door is
1: the thumbnail. Yeah. Um, so yeah. like the yeah. thumbnail is something we probably spend the most amount of time on. Right. And that, uh, That middle class is financially ruined thumbnail probably took us about an hour of just back and forth. And our, our, like the the tension in the air is so high when we're thinking about thumbnails like that, because we know if we miss the mark on the thumbnail, all the work is going to be for nothing. You could have the perfect title, the perfect video, a perfect editing. But if you don't have that right thumbnail, it's done. It's so So we, yeah. It's like
0: the gatekeeper to the success uh, of the video and also the financial success of the video. Yeah because like if you have a very, if you're able to, like typically YouTube will feed your video to a lot, like a good amount of people, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a channel that's uploading regularly. Like there's gonna be, I would assume that your videos have millions of impressions, right? The thumbnail has millions of impressions. Cause even if a million views, if you're, is your click-through rate around, what seven percent, ten percent?
1: Depends. First twenty four hours, it's usually about ten to twelve, yeah. and then after thirty days, usually three to five. Right. So if you yeah. think
0: about like three to five percent, or let's average it at six percent uh, with a million views, like that's a lot of impressions yeah. that YouTube's, you know. Yeah. And so if you're able to capture even an additional one percent, you know, with a channel like yours, it's probably the difference between an additional like couple thousand dollars. Easily, easily, easily. So that hour spent on the thumbnail is like the question of maybe ten thousand yeah. dollars in that hour that you could make if you nail
1: it. That's oh. what makes it so difficult is yeah. because there's so much pressure on the totally. thumbnail that I, sometimes I feel like that pressure almost stifles creativity because you're like you're so focused on not messing up right. that mm-hmm. you sometimes don't take those risks you would have otherwise had you not cared. Yeah, but a lot of that is just like. Sometimes I'll, I'll make a whole thumbnail. We'll look at it, at like really tiny on the computer. And we'll be like, you know what? I just don't like it. I don't know. There's something about it that just it doesn't hit. I'm not happy with it. Go back to the drawing board. Try something else. Um, and it's a lot of back and forth until both of us, until Jack and I are like, okay, we like this. Should we try it? Well, let's have a backup just in case this doesn't work. So sometimes we'll have a main thumbnail and then we'll try a backup that might be a little bit riskier but that uh, middle class financial ruin. Sometimes it's like you have to be so abstract to get yeah. people's attention now on YouTube. That if they're scrolling, you want them to be like, "Wait, what is that? What's going on? Let me yeah. click on that." Like you, you need it to be like, "What?" Yeah. So I really try my best to to make them just like they're they're a little like they got to be over the top. But I want it to, I want people to be not confused when they see the top, but like what's going on? Like Jack shoving money in my face. Like right, there's right. no way that's relevant to anything with, yeah. with, with a explosion in the back, <laughs> but it just, it gets, you to, it's like, you're just being so creative when it comes to that. Like, how could you take this topic? that it, it should be boring. Like I, that whole video is me going over a budget and telling people how to cut back on a budget. Like that should not be an exciting video. So to go and like, how can I transform this so that like some, 20-year-olds can see this and be entertained the entire way through and learn something from it.
2: I feel like also in terms of the thumbnail, not only is there viewership on the line and revenue on the line, but it's about personal time and energy. Like It almost hurts more if no one watches it because you're taking stock of your own time and energy. I would disagree. I think the biggest
1: risk to a bad thumbnail is the performance of both the entire channel and the subsequent videos you post after that.
2: Man, I feel like for us, like I look at it as like, man, so many hours went into that edit. Like that's a difficult pill to swallow. And maybe like, I guess our revenue isn't as similarly to yours. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that is a good point about like the effect on the algorithm. Because yeah. that is tough yeah. to come back from. I'm more worried about like that's like a bad thumbnail is like you made
1: a bad chess move and they go and they they take one of your one of your pieces. Oh, mm. that's such so, an interesting yeah.
0: thought that like one bad thumbnail affects the subsequent videos oh, yeah. and and the library everything because the library. Yeah. I would assume like if you if you stopped uploading, if you didn't upload a single video in February,
3: mm-hmm.
0: what would your library make?
1: Do you have a sense for that? Or uh, do, you, do, you,
0: do you have a sense for like, what does your library I almost generate? don't
1: even want to think about because I don't know. Okay. And um, I mean, I, I could probably throw out a guess of maybe like 60 grand, 70 grand. I'm, and that's just a, get yeah, maybe a hundred. I don't know. But the worry would be that you take a month off and YouTube sees you as a creator and they're pushing your content because you're making regular uploads and because people keep coming back. If you stop that, YouTube is going to see, wait a second. So we're recommending this channel uh. to to people who are not then returning back because the content creator is not making new content, why would we recommend this channel? If, If YouTube's goal is to get people to keep coming back on the platform, they would be much more likely to recommend a channel who's uploading consistently because that keeps people returning back. All of my current subscribers wouldn't see one of my videos unless YouTube recommends them. And they could only recommend so many videos before you've just seen them all or until they're not relevant anymore. So... Without uploading, I think it's you. It's going to be impossible to grow. Like YouTube's not going to recommend your channel, so that's why I keep uploading consistently. I, I don't. I don't want to miss an upload unless it's intentional. I think there was there's a a week where I didn't post. I think re, yeah, like three weeks ago. That's just because I don't know what what happened, but the algorithm just went crazy on my channel, and just all these videos got recommended. And I've tested so many times that sometimes when uh, your videos are getting pushed, when you post a new video it will reduce the views on the rest of the channel while YouTube focuses on that new video because they want to push the newest content. Mm. So sometimes purposely I've been like, okay, all these other videos are doing well. I'm going to purposely not post today. Let those videos breathe a little bit and then I'm going to come back to it.
2: Wow, that's, that's interesting. interesting.
1: Unless yeah. unless you know you have a banger. Like yeah. if, if I'm unsure of a topic and I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be quite up to par, I'm going to wait to post it And then I'm going to post it when I know the next video is. Just in case this topic doesn't hit it off, my next video will. And so I know that whatever I lose on this one video, I'm going to make back with the next one.
0: Wow. So this is very, yeah. You know, it's so interesting because I think when we entered YouTube, we came from a different perspective of like, oh, we're filmmakers and this is a cool place to display film. And I think now as we're gotten into the career of it, we're looking at some people who came at it from, you know, an initial angle of understanding it was a platform and how the platform worked, Mm -hmm. which is kind of new to us. And I think why we're, when we look at our, you know, AdSense, and I think even like being so inspired by Casey Neistat as a filmmaker, Casey was like, I don't monetize my videos. I think that's probably why for the first two years, a lot of it, at least the thought of, okay, we're not going to monetize videos because like we're filmmakers, watch our films. But then at some point you're like, wait a second, I'm i try- I'm also trying to have a career here. Like, how does yeah. this, what what do I do here with AdSense? Um, I'm curious about your first big check from AdSense and what was that amount and what did that feel like?
1: Um, uh, do you remember that Might at have all? been a few hundred bucks. Um, I don't, I don't remember that. I'm guessing it was probably a few hundred. It was like my first ad, yeah. ad it wasn't a, it was the direct deposit. Cause I,
0: yeah, I remember it. It was like $750 and it came in and I was like, Whoa, that's that's not nothing. Yeah, and like we didn't act like obviously we actively are doing things, but we didn't like actively call a client. We didn't have to deal with any back and forth to receive this. Yeah, it's you know what I mean. It's like, whoa, AdSense is AdSense can be super high margin because you're not interfacing with anyone. Yeah. You just press upload. That's, yeah, that's what,
1: what I really like about YouTube. And yeah. at least my perspective is, like, I get that there's definitely a creative aspect to this and, like, it, self-expression. But I think just for me being really interested in business, like, I I see YouTube as, like, they're a business. And I want to be a part of that business. And I, how can I help that business grow? And how can I make that business look good? And how can I be a good example for that business? And so I very much understand that like YouTube is like, I owe so much to YouTube and I want to do anything possible to help them grow as well. So I feel like if I can make good content for YouTube and feed into what they want and what they want to show and and the message that they're trying to get out there, that's going to help me in return. And that's going to help get my message out there too. So I think it's definitely a collaborative effort between me seeing what YouTube is about what they're pushing, what message they want to show, and me trying to figure out, okay, well, how can I craft my videos around what they're comfortable showing? And that includes, let's say, no swearing, no politics, no religion, um, just something easily digestible that is family-friendly. Like That's all crafted, I think, around what YouTube is likely to show and what would make them look good. Like I would never try to do something that was like, make YouTube look bad or be like, oh you know, Graham stirring up drama on the channel. We don't want to do that. We don't want to be a part of that. It's not our message. I always want to be a good example. I I feel
0: that's a really good note. And I think, uh, something that's really important. There's uh, a couple of terms that we've been talking about this week. One of them being rented audience versus owned audience, which was thrown out on Twitter by Alex Lieberman. Who's one of the founders of morning brew. Um, yeah,
1: I talk to him all the time.
0: Yeah. Alex is great. And he, uh, When he said that, I thought it was really interesting because like being on YouTube, it is a rented audience. Like you are on their land, quote unquote, right? Like some, another person said it to me last week of um, like you're building a mansion in their backyard. Uh, True. Right? So it's like, it's their property. Um, You can build a mansion there, but they're the landlord. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot of times people talk about YouTube as an enemy, as like it's, you know, they're a platform who's making all these decisions, but like it's their platform still. Yep. It's like that that's theirs. You are a member of that community. Right. And if you play by the right rules, if you are a collaborative member, and like you said, I, I liked how you put it, of you want to make them look good as a business and you mm-hmm. want to play into their business strategy. If you do that, you're rewarded. Yep. I think you're a great example of that. Yeah, um, There's you, also
2: nowhere else to go necessarily to get that same type of relationship monetarily True. in terms of content. Like wh- where exactly if <clears throat> you had to go like, somewhere else? Like TikTok where TikTok find- is blown up,
1: yeah. but their algorithm from what I've seen is so, their algorithm is fantastic for vir- right. uh, for viral content. For building that relationship, not so much except for the biggest creators who just get pushed all the time. But I think watching someone for more than like five to 10 minutes builds a relationship that no other platform has. Facebook has tried to do it. Facebook can't break that four-minute mark. Like, no one is on Facebook watching long-form videos. Three to four minutes, that's about it. TikTok, 30 to 60 seconds, but it's not long
2: enough to build that relationship. YouTube right now is the only platform. I think the main difference, too, is a video you made three years ago is making money today. Yeah. Right? You could make 50 TikToks and mm-hmm. find tons of viewership, but it's not certain that they're going to pay you back in five years. Right. That's very true. That's a huge difference. Thinking
0: about your channel as a body of work is something that's really important, especially as you mentioned, like one bad video affects the subsequent videos and potentially the library. You're you're always constantly thinking about a library of content, um, which I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you have some high level kind of advice to creators who are maybe aspiring to turn YouTube into a career, like, what are some things that you think about when it comes to your content?
1: I think don't turn it into a career. I really, like, I never thought I would be doing YouTube full-time, ever. First three years even, I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this on the side and keep going. And it really wasn't until that career had already outpaced what I was making. Like, I th- I think, yeah, I think I made over a million dollars before, in a year, before not before I took it full-time. Now I'm not saying like everyone has to make a million dollars a year to do YouTube full-time, but I think it goes to show you that like I really always did it for fun. It was never about the money. I love doing it. And I feel like if it happens organically great, and I think it it can be a full-time career, but I wouldn't go into it ever thinking like I'm going to do YouTube full-time and I'm going to make this a full-time career. I think if it happens amazing. And that's such a fortunate position to be in, but I think it's really just a smart idea to always have that income coming in on the side, continue growing it, and then eventually, if it gets to a point where it's like your time is better spent on YouTube, then at that point, I think it's time to go full time.
0: That's a that's really good advice. Yeah, I think that's really important. Advice yes, too. but
1: you know what? I, I actually heard of this on Millennial Money. Um, <laughs> they there was a quote that says something like, "Find find the thing that you would do for free, yeah. and that is going to be your career." So, and for me, it was like, I was doing YouTube for free. Like, I just loved it. I just had so much fun doing it. It made me so happy. And it just so happened to make money off it now. So it's like, and making money gives me, oddly enough, more content to make. Because then I can make content you know, about, make content about, about money. how yeah. much money I made or where I'm investing the money, which gives me more money to then invest Right. for more content. It's crazy. The infinite so- monetization loop. So let, yes. And, and making money about,
0: sorry, making content about making money is super interesting because everybody, like making money is one of the most broad topics there is. Uh, So it's super interesting. Um, I'm curious for you to guess our, how much YouTube paid us in 2020?
1: Just YouTube ad revenue? Just
0: YouTube ad revenue. Again, we're, we're very fortunate. Like we're obviously sitting here at a a studio. We have, you know, employees that work for us. So we are very fortunate to have good sponsor relationships and we're able to operate in a, in a like in a way with advertising that that really supports our business but YouTube as a platform from an Adsense perspective we did on our main channel we did 5.6 million views I mean guess the ad revenue yeah 5.6, 5.6 million views in 2020 5.6 all
1: right let me see 25,000.
0: Hmm. it's not not that As far off as I wanted you to be. Really? We made, it was 16,000.
1: 16? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, yeah. That's lower than what I would have imagined. And I think that's, it's so weird how sometimes ad rates uh, fluctuate because I feel like for to reach 5 million eyeballs, uh, advertisers would pay significantly more for that. Sure,
0: But like our CPMs fluctuate, I think because our audience is less defined. Mm -hmm. I do think that your audience is very they're they're on your channel for a certain reason, which makes the advertisers really clear cut of what, like when I, when I watch your channel, the yeah. type of advertising I get is very specific.
1: A lot of the advertisers on the channel are just high margin. So they're like, they're trying to sell you like some $3,000 program or course. And because that's all profit for them, they could afford to pay like 60 to $80 CPMs, which mean I make more money because of that. So they're the ones I really owe this to is like the, the kind of sleazy. Uh, I don't want to say people who advertise my channel are all that way. But uh, there's definitely an element of just kind of sheisty stuff. But I think they're funny. Like I, I even react to the ads on my channel. So I like I figure out a way to monetize those ads that are playing wow, on my that's, channel. That's really smart. And yeah. just some of them are so awful. Like there's one where they're just like this guy holding a whole bunch of money who's just like counting money the entire time. And then it's, it's, it's uh, like a pyramid scheme or it's like, it's an yeah. MLM basically. And it's just doing this and I'm just reacting to it. And that video, I think made a few grand, just reacting to an ad that was on my channel. <laughs> right. <laughs> so people advertise on my channel, like at some point I will react to it That's and just good. poke fun at it.
0: Yeah. Cause there's a lot yeah. of like stepping out of a nice car yeah. type of, you know.
1: Yeah. And those are fun. Like yeah. I think people enjoy too watching me watch the ads For sure. mm-hmm. and it's cause some of them are so ridiculous yeah. and bad. And then I critique the ads. I'm like, like they're, they're selling this high end program, but the, the dude doesn't even have like a proper mic. It's talking from the other side of the room. Right. The lighting is like really bad. There's all these things. And there, and there's one that was selling like a medical device. And I'm like, there's no way this is relevant to anybody watching my channel. Cause it targets like high end doctor's offices and I was like, there's no one watching my channel. Like, th- that, this is just a generic ad that I'm watching when I'm logged out. That makes no sense that mm-hmm. that, that this ad should be there. So I call them out on that. That's too. a really smart yeah.
0: idea. Like, again, that's from like a business-minded perspective of looking at YouTube and being like, how do I monetize all the different elements here and mm. what, like reacting to advertising playing <laughs> on your channel is a really good idea.
2: I think yeah. it also about. like brings your community closer though, because right, you're also self aware about what's happening in and around your videos, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you're acknowledging the world that we're all living in watching yeah, right. your videos. And I think-, I think
1: it's too, yeah, it's, it's important that, uh, and I watch, so I have like YouTube premium, but then I have another account that I will just watch and I keep the ads on that just so I
2: see like what's playing and like what people are trying to right. promote and stuff. It's really interesting stuff. Do you ever think like do you ever see something that someone's trying to promote on your channel and think like oh well this is something I could potentially be doing myself like if other people are finding this valuable no 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 it's just sometimes it's it's funny yeah or like I see some of these
1: marketers on there and I'm like it's that might make a good video to react to that that's all Go one thing
0: you dropped in your video which is and and even on uh, I think I've watched some other interviews with you um where you talked about one, 1. 1.8 million, which was the AdSense rep, mm-hmm. right? What, what YouTube paid you. That's straight from YouTube advertising. And then I think you said it in passing that you were like, <laughs> in the video, you're like, with sponsors and other things, it's it's above 4 million. And yep. I was like, whoa, hold yeah. on. Wait a second. Where's the other 1.2 million yeah. coming from? So
1: there's quite a few affiliates. Yeah. So there's gotta be like eight or nine different affiliates. Um, then programs, sponsorships. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's way more that feeds into that. That I just, unless I sit down and like sure. actively go through every little thing, uh, yeah, it was it was over two million, uh, in that
0: in that category, yes. the non YouTube non YouTube, uh, revenue. Yeah,
1: category. but there's also three yeah. different channels. So like right. the main channel, I think did about two million last year. I think. Uh, then the second channel, I think did like six hundred thousand. Podcast was I think we're at thirty something. Um, Numbers are
0: are like are truly amazing for someone who doesn't understand YouTube Mm -hmm. to understand that YouTube the company is paying out almost two million dollars to a single creator is pretty jaw dropping.
1: but they're making so much money on the back end I like that to me like I'm happy they're doing well because oh oh also I bought a whole bunch of Google stock so I figured that uh, if if YouTube is doing well right. I should be invested in that as well. I thought
0: the same. So, thing. I thought the same thing. I but bought. I, but yeah, I always get just kind of you know the the meme stocks just catch my eye, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah. That's Let's easier. GameStop.
2: Let's. You know, <laughs> Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah.
0: Why would I invest in things that I actually I use
2: in my life? Let me just follow the. Memes. The more rational me yeah. though does <laughs> yeah. think I should just be investing in platforms that I use myself and right. companies that right. I use myself and you believe should. in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I started. Well, I, I did a big chunk in Google, I think, at like 1330 1320 Oh, wow. So now it's like $1,900. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I kept buying in. And I just thought, like, if I'm getting paid by Google, I should be investing a portion of that money back into the company. Um, So, so yeah. But, yeah, all in all, I got to add it up, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I really, when I make those videos, I spend hours like combing through every source like trying to add it up and uh, I, I gotta add it up it's probably somewhere between like four and a half five five and a half somewhere on there five and a half million yeah total, total. last year yeah
0: that is truly amazing yeah. um yeah that's somewhere on there
1: and such, it's it's such, such a an amazing weird company. range too because you really like beyond a certain point i i don't Tr- like everything is through Mint, yeah. But Mint doesn't always do a good job because sometimes if you if you move money from one account to another, it counts as an expense, and then it recalculates as income. So it's kind of a little convoluted. So I really have to go through and like add it up. I'm going to make a video on it.
0: From a sp- uh, so I have questions on affiliate and sponsorship. Affiliates, how significant are affiliates for you?
1: Maybe about half. Maybe about half of the so half half of uh, half of that is 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 programs. Wait, wait. So half of two million. So fifty percent would yeah. be. Ad
2: revenue, 25% affiliates.
1: Yes. Yeah. So let's say out of a big pie, 50% ad revenue, 25% programs, 25% sponsors and affiliates. Mm.
0: okay. I got it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because affiliates seem to be something that is uh, pretty significant for creators who figure out how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. If it's relevant to the audience, if you're able to lay it out. Is that all done through your like description on your YouTube or do you have? Oh, that's pretty amazing.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: That's, that's incredible. And sponsorships, Thanks. are you brokering those yourself?
1: Do you have someone helping you um, broker so, those deals or how yeah, does that work? They come to me and there's there's a few different companies that will come to me and say, hey, we have this offer. Do you want to do it? And I'll usually just negotiate some of those myself. In the past, I've, I've definitely not charged enough until I'm talking to other creators. And I'm like, wait a second, you're getting paid how much? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. They're getting good. But I, I sign into usually year long contracts, Got it. so I'm like, I'm going to fulfill those obligations, even even if my views explode. Like I'm going to keep my word on that. Yeah, never gone back on that. And uh, this year I was able to renegotiate significantly, and no one has bad an eye. So now I'm even thinking like, even the numbers now is probably still undercharging, but I'm very selective about the sponsors I do. I never want to do too many of them, and I only have so many spots in a month that I feel comfortable putting a sponsor. Because I feel like every time you put a sponsor in a video, it takes your video down from, let's say, a 10 to like an 8.5. I think people mm-hmm. just don't like having to sit through a sponsor. So I just got to be really selective of like, I don't want to do too back-to-back. Right. I don't want to do too many in a month. So I only have like a few spots. And those spots I got to be really careful of. Is it a good sponsor? Is it something that I use myself? Do I stand behind them? Because if if I'm endorsing anything, it's like, even if even if it's not my fault, if something happens, it is going to come back on me, and so I do have to do my best to really be diligent about it. And I'm sure things happen, but um, I just have to be careful of of what I talk about and what I say and who I endorse. And just at least to the best of my knowledge at the time, uh, I have I have to be cognizant of that. So five
0: five plus million dollars yeah. last year. Uh, how much of that played into getting out of California? <laughs>
1: A Decent amount, decent amount, a decent yeah. amount. Um, but there's also so many other factors. Like uh, I have so many friends now that are in Las Vegas. So I think the more people that move to Las Vegas, Aren't the, the other more finance likely.
0: Youtubers in Las, nearly, Las Vegas, nearly everyone that's like, is. That's like where the finance mafia of right. YouTube is. And
1: so that's what makes it really appealing is that they're all there. And I ended, I was started doing so many collaborations with everybody last year in the finance space, and like everyone is there. So it makes sense that I'm there too. Everything's uh, everything's cheaper no traffic, get a much bigger place. I really want to build out different sets and I, I can't do that in LA. So everything lined up perfectly.
3: Hmm.
0: So we're going to get into a segment here of Twitter Q&A. A lot sure. of people had a lot of questions for you. So we're going Good. to ask them probably relatively rapid fire uh, and we are going to fire away here. Cool. So the way we we positioned this was um, 1800089 Okay, Colin, read that, Read out this number. I just got lost in it.
2: $1,889,972.57. I'm
0: not used to reading numbers that long. So yeah, okay. Uh, and we said that's how much money uh, Graham made in 2020 from YouTube AdSense alone. If you could ask him one question, what would it be? Hmm. So one thing uh, that, that was an interesting question, this is from Roberto Blake. He said- Oh, I like him. Yeah, Roberto's great. great. What's up? Um, he yeah. said, you've been really transparent about everything, uh, but- he also said his course is solid for anyone
1: interested. Wow. Nice plug. For nice. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that.
0: I'd um,
1: love to know a breakdown of your traffic sources on YouTube. Do you look at that? I do. Uh, I would say about 80% of it is recommended. Then I would say usually about 10% is search, and then another 10% is MISC from just other websites or external. But 80% of my views are recommended by Google or YouTube.
0: Interesting. And that, that increases the um, like kind of weight of the thumbnail because if you're getting recommended, you want to make something that's like,
1: you know, well, I notice even for me that even if I'm subscribed to a channel, most of the time I'm on the homepage and the video comes up anyway. So I'm clicking from that homepage and not necessarily my subscription feed. So I think that recommended being in the first like five results of the recommended on the homepage is so important. You gotta yeah. get on those spots, and I feel
2: like that percentage is common for most like high performing yes. channels. Like for all of our videos, for the most part, yep. like that's where the you got you from. gotta be right there. So uh, here's a question
0: from Chef PK: uh, What does your AVD look like?
1: What's AVD? Uh, average view duration. Oh, like, it's like how AVD. long are people watching uh, your videos? Between seven and eight minutes and fifty seconds.
0: And is there a length that you try and hit for your videos? Are you like all, all of my videos are 15 minutes plus or it's De- just whatever? Depends
1: on the topic. Minimum is going to be 10 minutes. And I just, I feel like 10 minutes is just a is a good mark. I usually don't do less than 10 because I feel like otherwise I'm sacrificing information. So usually 10 minutes. I'd say my golden mark is between 12 and 15. Like the video I'm posting today was 15 minutes and 30 seconds. But I knew that getting the video down to 1459 is gonna be a lot easier for people to stomach to watch. So I just, I found 30 seconds in the video, cut it out, got it 1459.
2: Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. I've never thought about like how that number oh, like, yeah.
1: looks to people. Oh, always. So if if I'm like 1530, 1630, or, or below the 30 minute, uh, sorry, the 30 second mark, I will cut 31 seconds from a video to always get it under. Just a round minute. Like, so if it's 15, 10, cut 11 seconds out of it. I wow. rarely ever try to go past 20, unless there's no other way that I could cut it down. If I go over 20, there's no difference between 20 minutes and like 27 minutes. Psychologically, it's the same thing. If people are watching a 27, 20 minute video, they'll watch 27. But if I can get it from like 21 to 1958, I will. Is that based on data, or is that you empathizing with the viewer and thinking? Me empathizing with the viewer, because I know myself. I see a 20-minute video, just most likely I'll skip that unless it's like I got the downtime, but a a 19-minute video is totally (laughs) fine. I'll watch that, but not 20.
0: So that actually bleeds into a really interesting question. Uh, It's kind of similar from Yath Prem. He says, uh, what are any unofficial beliefs you have about the YouTube algorithm? So, meaning like anything that's not proven, but you believe it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, one of the, one of the big ones is that YouTube is less likely to push content that is not monetized. And my experience has been that the more monetizable the content is, and the more family friendly it is, the more YouTube is likely to push it. There's no data really to support that, except my own personal belief and experience. But my experience has been. The safer the video is for you to to promote, the more likely they are to recommend that video. So that's why I think just if people are swearing in videos or throwing in stuff they shouldn't, probably not a good idea, but there's no... And and YouTube is never going to come out and say like, hey, God, if you say the the naughty words, we're not going to promote you. They're never going to say that, but it makes sense. If I were a business and you have two creators, one saying naughty words and one's not... (laughs) I'm going to promote the one who's not saying the bad yeah. words. So. And probably over time,
0: who's more consistent with that, who's like, I know it's not going to be a risk to yeah. push mm-hmm. and I can trust, yeah. like, right? That's like, yeah. at, at the core of it, um, we had someone on the podcast, Joe uh, Albanese, who runs a company called Stir, that's like tools for creators. And he said something really interesting when he, he just raised 4 million bucks to, to pursue this company. And I asked him, you know, why or how? And he said, at the core of it, we all sell trust. hmm and that's like our all of our primary product. And if you think about that in the context of your relationship with YouTube, you're selling trust to YouTube. You're saying, I will be here regularly. I'll keep people coming to the platform. I'll keep them watching for a long time. And I'll make sure your brand is safe, meaning the brand of YouTube. Yep. I'm not going to tarnish your brand. Uh, if you can create a situation like that, then they're probably likely to push you.
1: Yeah, but you do have creators that don't fit that mold that make me doubt it. And Michael Reeves is one of them. Mm. His videos, he swears like every other second. They're definitely not family friendly at all. They all get demonetized and he's doing like 10 million views a video. So you do get creators like that that are, I would like to say, they're the exceptions. They're not the rule. But his content makes up for it in so many other ways that, you know, yeah, goes to show you no proof.
0: Question from Jay, uh, where can I get two free stocks? And then corrected by someone
1: underneath, asterisks for free stocks down below in the description (laughs) when you sign up for Weeble.
0: That's hilarious. We're going to put put a link, but it's just going to be an affiliate link to something else. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. That's hilarious. Or or to subscribe to this channel. I think it's so funny to have these like running jokes on the channel, like, like, Smash totally. like button four free stocks, twenty cent iced coffee. It's just it's so, fun.
2: Yeah,
0: actually, then Jay said, uh, "Damn, it doubled. That's cool." Also, <laughs> where, where's the like button so I can drop a nuke on it? It's like these are clearly <laughs> yeah. members of your That's community, cool. and I think what's really cool oh. is there's like a vernacular to yeah. your community. There's inside jokes. There's like I think you've done a really good job of creating that environment. Like That's you mentioned, cool. homie. Like it yeah. feels like you're hanging out with someone. And when you see two members of your community <laughs> interacting in a tweet about you using your you know, terms, I think that's really,
1: yeah. yeah. And none of that was like intentional. Right. Like everything was just like by chance. And I love the community in the comment section. I like, usually the comments are so toxic, but you go down to my videos. I love how like everyone's supporting each other. People are like commenting back and forth. They're having conversations. Someone yeah. asks a question, like someone else is answering it. I love that.
0: Um, another question here from uh, curious human. It says, says, uh, when should a creator have multiple channels? Like, at what point do you s- decide? Mm. When did you decide you should have multiple channels? That's
1: a great question. Um, for me, it was when I wanted to start deviating my content. And I think that was around 700,000 subscribers on my main channel. I wanted to start. I looked at Dave Ramsey's channel, The Dave Ramsey Show. And I was like, I'm going to come up with The Graham Stephan Show. And my plan with that was that I was going to record one day every week where I would take seven phone calls every day and then post one of those videos every day on the channel. So I'd have like, basically I, I straight up, i like, I wanted, to, I looked at Dave Ramsey and I'm like, I love that format, but I want to be like the young Dave Ramsey who endorses credit cards and mortgages. So like, I'm just going to copy his format, put it on my channel and it was really difficult getting phone calls because in the beginning, the second the second channel for me was just to make different content. And it turned in from the phone calls to then just reactions because the phone calls, like I'd spent all these times on the phone calls, would do horrible. And when I started looking at the, the, like what was getting the most views and like what was getting pushed, the reaction videos made up 90% of that, even though I only posted, I think two reaction videos a week. And what was it, like five uh, phone calls. But the two videos a week made up 90% of the channel. So I'm like, Mm. okay, really no more phone calls, do this. But I only made the second channel because I wanted to deviate and make different content that I knew would not hit on the main channel. That main channel is very just like well thought out, very very just analytical. The second channel was meant to be just to spur the moment off the cuff. So when I had content that was so different than the main channel, that's when I made the second channel. So that's what I'd recommend. And you also, I think, have to build up enough of an audience. I probably wouldn't be making a second channel if you have less than 100,000 subscribers. Maybe that should be like two or 300. And only if your content is so much different on the new channel. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And then and then you essentially made a third channel for something of a more looser
1: format. Which right. is like Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want to throw a podcast on the second channel. You don't want to throw a podcast yeah. on the main channel. So and it, and it makes me feel better too, knowing that you have like all these different uh, channels and income streams that are independent from one another. Mm-hmm. So like the second channel on. almost runs on its own at this point. Like at first it was really funded from the main channel. Like just that audience was going to the second channel, but now the second channel has reached a brand new demographic that like doesn't even watch the main channel. It's crazy. Like they just know me as the guy who reacts to millennial money. They don't even know I have a main channel. It's like, it's some crazy stuff, hmm. but that's it's really just, it's neat to reach just a different audience out there.
0: Wow. That's, yeah. that's a good uh, note to yeah. think about each channel operating as its own it's entity. It's own little business.
1: It's yeah. its
2: own show yeah, too. Yeah. Own like, show. like you're building trust with the viewer as well. And if you're changing the show from episode to episode, the viewers is like, well, what's going on here? Yep. And so that trust starts with the viewer but then goes all the way up to yeah. your relationship with YouTube.
1: I want people to feel comfortable that if they subscribe they're going to get the same I don't want to say the same content yeah. but you're going to get similar content the same format. If you're watching Nickelodeon you're not going to be getting, you know, CNN sure. showing mm-hmm. up there. You're yeah, going to get, get Nickelodeon. What you signed up for. Right. So yeah. that's why I like I like consistency.
0: So I have a question now mm-hmm. for you. Um, let's say I have $5,000 to invest. Maybe let's say 10,000. From your on your advice or your thoughts, should I go with Bitcoin, Pokemon cards, or whatever the hottest meme stock is? So let's say GameStop
1: right now. Do you need the money?
0: No, I'm willing to
1: hold. Are you willing to lose all of it? Yes. You're willing to lose all of it. Yes. Meme stocks. Meme stocks. Yeah. If you're willing to lose all of it, if you were telling me that like you want an investment for the next like 40 or 50 years, and you can't afford to lose this money, I'd say just an S&P 500 index fund, buy it in a Roth IRA, and hold it. Don't do anything. But if this is money you have to risk, that you're okay losing all of it, Bitcoin could be pretty good. But I think the ROI and I think the fun you would have in the short term is probably in meme stocks. Wow. Chasing
0: meme stocks. That sounds like a good
1: series. It's, I think... I just I this is another one of those feelings that yeah. the meme stocks are gonna be, I think I think for the next like five, six years. And there are so many big funds out there right now trying to catch meme stocks on Reddit and trade them. Mm. There's a mm. lot of big money behind this. And they're following Reddit very closely. And unfortunately, they're infiltrating some of these subreddits by posting like they 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 make these like burner accounts and they're posting like these fake due diligence or they're trying to like spread FUD or just try to post these things that are not necessarily true. So far the Wall Street Bets community has been really good about removing those posts, but like you are getting mainstream media and these big hedge funds, like getting into Wall Street Bets, trying to manipulate the market through the perception Mm. of their stock. It's insane. But these meme stocks, it's, I think we're at a brand new time. I think people are going to start looking at these very seriously just like you have swing traders and you have long-term traders or you have like day traders. I think you're going to have these meme stock traders who just try to catch on to early meme stocks, trade them a week or two and sell.
0: I can't believe we're living in a time where there's yeah. a term
1: meme stocks. It's yeah, um,
0: amazing. Yeah. So if you guys don't know what we're talking about, I mean, you could probably look it up, figure it out, but like, you know, we're, we're essentially referencing um, the Reddit community, wall street bets, and kind of like the social me- social media's influence mm-hmm. on the stock market right now. And yeah. how, you know, if you're on Twitter or you're on Instagram or you're on Reddit, you quickly find out about this stock. Retail buyers kind of, you know, swarm in and, and uh, increase the price of the stock. Elon Musk tweets about it. It's like, it's yeah. such a fascinating yeah. world that, you know, apps like Robinhood who have, you know, made it very easy to, to purchase are able to drive,
2: you know, prices. I think Elon Musk is a really specific and interesting case study because he'll just tweet kind of like Etsy. Mm-hmm. Etsy goes up. Yeah. yeah. He'll tweet about Signal. Use Signal. All of a sudden, it goes up. (laughs) Yeah, and he has that effect on his own company too. Like, uh, let alone his company is like a Goliath. But but too high, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting how cautious or not cautious people have to be who have a following on on social media.
1: It's it's tricky for me too because I never want to be in a position where people think I'm trying to like pump a stock, and that's why I've never. I don't think I've ever publicly shared my portfolio. And I have about three dozen individual stocks that I've yet to share because I'm so afraid if I share these stocks, I don't want a whole bunch of people going in and like picking exactly what I have. Right. Just, first of all, if anything happens, I don't want to be responsible for that. But also, like, I don't want to ever be seen as like, hey guys, I'm buying the stock today. And then it shoots up like 20% because of, because of what I have to say. And, uh, and that could definitely skew things too. It's like, so I, d- I don't want to be in a position where I ever have to worry about like, Someone thinking I'm trying to like pump up a stock or anything like right. that. I never want to do that.
0: Well, cool, Graham. Thank you for coming on. Yeah,
1: definitely. Thank uh, you guys. Definitely,
0: guys. Subscribe to all of Graham's channels. Uh, what, what, <laughs> all yeah. three of them. Uh, what, what would you say uh, is the type of person who should subscribe to your channel? Like, what, what are, uh, are people looking for uh, who are out there who maybe haven't heard of you and now are like intrigued? Oh, What's, cool. Like, yeah, value prop? For,
1: Let's see. Anyone team? who likes saving money. Learning personal finance, investing, real estate investing, and the occasional meme stocks should uh, come to my channel. Subscribe, smash the like button, get your four free stocks down below. Uh yeah. No, honestly, yeah, any yeah. anyone interested in money, personal finance, investing, I would say that's and oh, and credit cards. How how could I forget credit cards? It's true, and credit that was cards. Your first big video. Yep. Yeah. All right. Graham, so, cool. Thanks for coming
0: on. Thank uh, you. We'll probably see you around here, but if not, we'll see you in Vegas. Deal.
2: Yeah.
1: Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya.